Hello there and welcome back to the Panic Pelican podcast. For the third episode, I invited Chris. He's from Belgium. I met him in New Zealand and he's one of the funniest and nicest person I met there. And I also like, I really like his Instagram post description because they are always funny. So, hey, Chris, how are you? Hey, Linus. Thanks for giving that shout out. It was a bit unnecessary, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for the love. Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for the nice introduction and yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, so... I have like three questions for you before we start talking about uh, the Legend of Korra. So I saw in one of your latest Instagram posts that you mentioned that you had a two-year break from social media. Maybe if you want to share the reason why you had this break and why you came back again to social media. No, sure. I definitely would like to talk about it. Before I deleted social media, I just... I never really was a lot on social media and I never really used it. I didn't like it. And yeah, at that moment, I at that time also graduated from high school, didn't know what to do with my life. And uh, yeah, I just felt like I needed to take a break from everything, from social media, just from my life in Belgium itself. I just wanted to start completely fresh and that's why I did it. Yeah, un understandable. Because I feel like uh, sometimes it's too much input like from social media. That's why I also had like a small break like one month ago where I tried to like have my phone uh, locked up and don't use it really because I needed like a digital detox, if you know what I mean. Yeah, the thing is what I do, I've read in the book about a doctor, The I think it was called The Four Pillar Plan. It's a really good book and... It's just about doctors saying like most of the things of our issues, health issues today, a lot of those can be just fixed by if you just change your habits. And one of those habits was just reducing your phone, like with social media, use doing like a few hours a day without your phone, like a few, the last few hours before you go to bed or the first few hours when you wake up, try not to use your phone. I try to do it weekly, at least one day every two weeks to do a full day screen free so no phone no laptop i only would i only use my kindle but yeah that's just a book ebook so but other than that i don't use anything of uh, digital stuff and yeah i can't recommend it enough because even if you just do it like once a month or once every two weeks you just feel so much better and i'm definitely planning to do it in somewhere next week as well because i've been way too much using my socials lately yeah and maybe do you have uh, a good badge movie you would recommend to the to the audience a good movie man i haven't watched a lot of movies lately oh like a badge movie it could be ah belgium movie yeah and <laughs> uh, there is a belgium movie that's really popular i've watched It was even nominated for an Oscar. It's called really? Runskop. Yeah, even the, the actor in it is now in Hollywood. He played with some uh, famous Hollywood actors. His name is Matthias Schoenaerts. He's pretty famous. Okay. He even played with uh, actors in other movies like uh, Tom Hardy, Jennifer Lawrence, and probably some others as well. Runskop, I'll, uh, I'll message it to, you, to you right now. Did you had like a favorite series in your childhood besides The Last Airbender? That's a good question. Because for me, it was like, I don't know if you know the series DuckTales. Nah. That was always fun. That doesn't say me anything. Um, with Donald Duck. And ah, yeah, don't, yeah. When I was a real kid, kid, yeah, yeah, no. Now it rings me a bell. That's only when I was probably like five years old, but from there on, well, not really. With series, it's okay. difficult, man. Like, I had like a bit of Cartoon Network when I was a young kid, when I was like the age from five, six, maybe till seven. Then I watched a lot of Cartoon Network, like Samurai Jack, where you got the Powerpuff Girls, you know, those old stuff. <laughs> old ass shows yeah really old, old yeah when well, the cartoon network was really was really dope back in the day yeah but yeah that was when i was a real kid later on i haven't my watching for tv became less and less i mainly watched the movies as i got a bit older but then the last few years 
I barely watch TV, so. But yeah, some of my favorite movies from the child, from my child memories were the old Spider-Man movies. Man, I love those. Oh yeah, Tobey Maguire. Oh Legend. man, classic. Yeah, he's my favorite Spider-Man till this day. Um, the Dark Knight trilogy from Christopher Nolan is brilliant. I really love those. Uh, that's some of my favorites. Um, yeah, I think some of those. Those are some of those. Uh, examples for movies that really uh till this day i kind of remembered that had a quite an impact on me because i even know i had some of those games on my P- ps2 <laughs> when i still had that so yeah and even some toys and stuff so yeah those are definitely the two that i would go with nice and did you also had nickelodeon in in belgium yeah that's yeah that's how i watched the the last airbender when i got from school and and also watched a few other shows, but yeah, my favorite hands down is The Last Airbender. But yeah, I remember when I used to watch it, The Last Airbender came on. I just watched it uh, pretty much, I think, almost every day. And when they did the marathon a year or two later, I just watched the whole thing again. Oh man, good times. Yeah, it was really probably the, the best animated series ever made. I mean, for me... I think for me it would be easily the best animated, but I've also heard a lot of good things about Rick and Morty. I watched a few oh, yeah. things about a few episodes from that show. It looks nice, but I think I would, I think even if I would watch the whole thing from Rick and Morty, I'd still think I would choose Last Airman because it's that childhood memories. And also like, I just like the storytelling so much. I like that's that's also one of the reasons I like The Last Airbender so much better than The Legend of Korra because it's just it's the whole season is just one story and it builds up. You see the evolution with the characters, the villains, and that's why I love The Last Airbender so much compared to most of the other shows. Yeah, I have now a small summary for those who didn't watch The Legend of Korra. So for those who didn't watch it, you know what we're talking about now. The next. So the Avatar universe is a fictional one where a few people can bend the elements water, earth, air and fire. The Legend of Korra is the sequel series to Avatar The Last Airbender. So in The Last Airbender, the storyline was that one day Katara and Sokka, both from the Southern Water tribe, found Aang, The Last Airbender, and also Avatar, who is the only one who can bend all four elements and is reincarnated every time he dies. At the time where Sokka and Katara found Aang, he was just able to bend air. So the whole three seasons were about the path, how Aang learns the other three elements, and preparing for the big final fight in the last season. So The Legend of Korra plays 70 years after uh, The Last Airbender. So Korra is the reincarnation of Aang after he died. She's a waterbender and also has to learn the other three elements. The series is also following her how she's becoming the next avatar and also gives us answers about some stuff that hasn't been uncovered in The Last Airbender. So that was the summary. If you like the concept of the series, maybe give it a try to watch it before you listen to the rest of the episode. And yeah, so and we in this episode, we don't do like a deep dive into the storyline because then we probably have like five or six hours episode. So yeah. Where do we want to start? <laughs> like, with the characters, probably. Uh, we can start with that. I just want to mention one thing before. Uh, with Korra, the difference already with Korra and Anne in the beginning is, in the beginning is like, Aang has, yeah, like you said, only one element, and he has to learn them all. In Korra, she already can... She can do all the elements except for air, so that's also one big difference in the beginning of it. And the thing is, it doesn't make for me sense because she, her weakness or the element she shouldn't be using in the beginning and should be learning is fire because it's the opposite of water, not air, in my opinion. That's already one thing that annoyed me personally. Yeah, because in the last episode, it was earth, right? Because it was, mm-hmm. it was the... The roughness that the the air banners are not not really used to. Yeah, that's true, and also like uh, yeah, it's like yeah, it just didn't make any sense because water is the opposite from fire and other way around, so that just doesn't make any sense to me. 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't really uh, think of that actually uh, while I watched it, but as you mentioned, it actually makes no sense that it was wind, uh, like uh, air that she didn't, that she didn't was able to bend. So, what do you think of Korra, like as as the next avatar after Aang? Um, my opinion, it's like. I mean, she tries to do good and stuff like that. And I wouldn't say everything is, isn't is bad about it, but you just don't have the same bond or you live this, you, you don't, yeah. How do you say it? It's difficult to explain. Yeah, it's difficult to have a sympathy for her because she she does actually everything right at the first time, like bending earth, bending fire and the only thing that she didn't was able was air at the at the first season. So, yeah, it was I don't know the the character is is really hard to to understand and it's hard to um how, how should I say like it's hard to feel for her like if she's suffering or um tr struggling to to learn something new or to get to the avatar stage. No, I do agree with you, because that's the thing with Aang, you just see him evolve as a person, you know, from start to finish. But with Korra, you just don't, you just already see her element three of the f you already see her bending three of the four elements at the start of the season. And yeah, that's kind of it. That's what kind of frustrates me about the, the series, because they already, oh yeah, we're not going to do it from start, like we did with Aang, we're just going to do it at a certain height, and then... We just gonna make the last bits difficult, and that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the the other characters, like the the new Avatar team, you don't have like the goofy. I mean, Bolin is a really goofy character, but in the Last Airbender, it was actually all characters were a little bit goofy, but they also had recore to it. If you know what I mean, they they have a real backstory, and also also you understand uh, why they act like that. Because with uh, Ma um, Marco and Berlin, you, you don't have like the real insight to their feelings. What we had with uh, Katara, Soka, Toph, and all the other characters like uh, Suko. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That's, yeah, I like the way how you explained it because that's also the thing with... Uh, Korra, like I said, the side characters don't have enough background and they don't stand enough. Yeah, just don't really know them that well, you know, like also the first time when they meet when they meet Korra, Bolin and Marco, it's just at the arena and that's it. Not something special. You don't really know their what they're doing or where they came from, you know, or what their story is, stuff like that. While with all the other characters from the last Airbender, you do and you understand it, and that's like you said, you just don't have it with those new characters. Yeah, and also the the group dynamic is much better in in the last Airbender than in the car. Uh, uh, Agree. Yeah, uh, uh, the last uh, Legend of Car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I agree, but yeah, it's like you said, you also feel the bond, and also when they're struggling, it's all together, and with the legend of Korra, it's like, sometimes the group breaks up, then they come back together, then they break up, and with Aang and, and that group, they just always stick together, no matter what, you know what I mean? Yeah, there isn't, like, a consistency in how they try to... To keep the group together in in a uh, storytelling yeah that's true it's just consistency i definitely agree on that part what i liked at the legend of Korra was the character tansen mm -hmm. uh, with his family oh uh, yeah because you, you get a little bit background information what what happened in the 70 uh, 70 years before the legend of Korra, so that also ang wasn't wasn't a good father to to his other childrens than Tansen because Tansen was the only airbender and I think Aang had a better connection to him. So no, on that part, on that part, it's pretty well done. And on Tansen's side and the kid from Aang, you just understand better why 
the connection the bond was a bit rough between the brothers and sisters and like why yeah with Tenzin you have at least a feeling like why he's reacting why he's the person he is and yeah how much pressure there is because he is the last airbender and so yeah that on that part that's pretty well covered and Tenzin is definitely one of the best characters in the series in my opinion yeah and also I'm not sure what the character was called the the daughter of um Tenzin who can communicate with the spirits was it Genoa if I'm correct yeah, yeah Genoa yeah I think that was also go a good build up for the character because I mean in the first season it was they were like the three kids were really really annoying uh, if you uh, if you know what I mean uh, they yeah. were, were just background noise <laughs> <laughs> and in the second season it they actually got Genora a good story to to tell because she got lost in the in the spirit world and then she was able to after she came back she was able to communicate with the spirits again. No, that's definitely yeah. pretty well written story and you also see it with um, with Tenzin because he was studying the whole thing and living his life too for the airbenders and also to connect with spirit world and then his daughter gets the connection and yeah she's definitely probably from the kids from Tenzin definitely the most interesting one and definitely the one in the spotlight compared to the other two what I found really difficult in uh, in the storytelling that they have those complicated love triangles between like make um, Marco Cora Bolin Asami it was <laughs> because in the last episode we had like simple love storylines uh, where we had uh, Katara, Aang, and um, Zuko and his girlfriend. So it was more clearer, and yeah. I think they wasted too much time to build those th this this love triangle than have a good story. <laughs> yeah, because especially in the first tour. Especially the first two seasons got the whole mess out of it, and I definitely agree on it. And it's also, yeah, got quite frustrating and annoying on that part. I definitely do that. They, sh they probably could have done some parts of the story better. That's definitely one of the points I agree they should have done it better on. Definitely agree with you. In the in the first season, season we got uh, like this new area. Republic City, what I think was was nice because it gave a, a new twist to it because we didn't have the industrial revo revolution in the last Airbender, so that was really nice. Also, the villain in the first season, Amon, with his bending removal power, was was a nice twist. Yeah, it was blood bending that he used. Yeah, I think they could have used him for more seasons because in The Legend of Korra, we had in every season a new villain. And if we have like every season a new villain, it feels like no one can really stop Korra because she is defeating all villains in such a fast rate. And in The Last Airbender, we had the big Fire Lord who was unstoppable. For uh, At least we thought it was, he was unstoppable. And... Yeah, and we also got big fight about two episodes, so that that had really this heavy feeling you should have if if we fight against uh, against a big villain. It's also like I said with the characters' evolution, especially also with uh, the last Airbender. As you get further in the series, you get to see more of the villain and the side characters of the villains and stuff like that. Well, with Korra, it's like you said, they just, it just goes on such a fast pace. And once you start to feel connected with the villain or like, okay, this is going to be good. Then it just goes wasted. And with some of the films, they could have done so much more, I feel, or once you start asking, oh yeah, who is the villain or you start to know about it. As soon as you start knowing the villain, it's pretty much done and they get they got defeated. Yeah. Also in the last Airbender, we had this because 
uh, we didn't saw the fire lord for the first two seasons i think it was actually just in the third season where we had the character actually seen on the screen so the other two ser uh, seasons was just this invisible powerful villain we can't really imagine how he looks like and the stories are telling that he's like so powerful and unstoppable that ang probably has really or he's really struggling when he's fighting against him I like that they did like the very mysterious part and that you don't know it and just like how dark it is, you know, and you get that feel like, who, who is this villain? You know what I mean? Yeah. That feeling and that's, it did it game in most cases, not much. Like Amon had that feeling a bit as well, but compared to the, the Fire Lord, it wasn't that close. You know what I mean? Because it built up that tense and that momentum and then... Yeah. With Korra, it was like once you have the villains, you feel the momentum going up with the villains, the facet goes back down and yeah, that it's over. Yeah, what what do you think of season two? Because it felt like one of the weakest seasons for, for, from my perspective. Season two, I yeah, I just, I just didn't like the story that much. Also not the story of how the first Avatar uh, got his airbending skills, you know, I just those were probably, in my opinion, the two worst episodes in Kova. In my opinion, I don't know about you. Yeah, because I I think it's quite interesting because um, the the two episodes where it was about the first Avatar. Because I was always wondering uh, how they actually got this bending power and also this connection to the spirit world. Because in in Last Airbender, they mentioned that. The Avatar is the bridge be uh, between the spirit world and our world. So I was wondering why that was. And I thought it was mm -hmm. quite a good explanation how it all went. <laughs> I mean, the idea is interesting. And, I'll, I'll, you know, it's a good point that you mentioned that they showed how, it, how the Avatar became you know how it existed and that part but i just didn't like how they told that the idea is good but i just didn't like the execution yeah because it uh, at the end it felt a little bit forced uh, because they mm -hmm. in this storyline they uh, tried to build up batu who was the villain in the in the second episode so yeah i mean like you said i mean it's a good idea and i like you know, with the avatar, that's the person between spirit and the real world. That's a good idea, but yeah, I just didn't like how it was built up. It just felt way too forest, not natural, or like, wow, it just... And also like, yeah, just the, how they showed it, you know, and also like how different it was compared to how how it normally looks, you know what I mean? I just didn't like it. Uh, you mean the, the design of... The yeah, episodes. also that, you know, how it was animated, I would say it like that. And also, like, Vatu and Rava, I just, yeah, I just couldn't get into it as much. I was like, thank God those two episodes were over. Because, yeah, those were, in my opinion, the two worst <laughs> unenjoying episodes of The Legend of Korra. Because they are spirits, you don't have actual connection to, to the villain or you know what actual power they, they have. Because... Mm -hmm. It's, they are st uh, just spirits. It's a good explanation how the character Vatu was created to be a villain. But yeah, as you said, the execution was, wasn't that good because then we had also her uncle who was against her because he wanted to unite the two water tribes in the north and in the south and also then he wanted to destroy the avatar what i didn't really get so like in the storyline mm -hmm. but yeah yeah i see what you mean that's a good point but also like yeah just you don't have any background from unalak you know what i mean like it's just like i want to be the ultimate villain, and that's pretty much it, you know? That's what I liked about yeah. Zahir and Amman. They had better stories and a better reason why they became the yeah. villains and why they fought against the system. Yeah. In the uh, second season, it felt more like, like a Marvel supervillain. <laughs> because it was re really poorly um, <laughs> introduced, the character. In any Marvel movie, you just get mm -hmm. five minutes of introduction of the villain, and that's his reason to 
destroy the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. I mean, even though Marvel does make solid movies, their villains are yeah, yeah. definitely one of their weaker points in most cases. The villains are definitely... The superheroes are really well written. You know the background, how they do it. That's why the superheroes are really well done, but definitely one of the weakest points of Marvel is definitely the villains compared to DC, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, besides... What what was his name? Taros. Was that his name? Wait, the villain from season two, you mean? No, I mean uh, from... from, Ah, wait. um, Endgame. Ah, Thanos, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Thanos, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so now we probably get to, to season three, which was, I, I think it was the best season, actually, because we had Sahir as, as the villain, which also the whole storyline in season three was mm-hmm. really good written because we actually get the, the airbenders back because of the story in the second season because the the portal to the spirit world wasn't shut down so mm-hmm. I think the balance between all elements are getting back to normal because of that. Yeah and the spiritual world and the normal world got connected and that's how it changed the world and got yeah. Yeah and also banners and stuff. Also the, the season's name is changed. Because, yeah, and I think it was really nice that we finally get like after I think was it like 2005 or something like that where the first season came out and we didn't had really Airbenders back besides uh, Tencent's family which wasn't really loud because there was just four Airbenders. <laughs> yeah, true. So yeah, so I'm really happy that they got the Airbenders back because it also brings a, a series a new pep. Yeah, you. <laughs> brings a new life to the show and i liked how they how they yeah. build yeah like now i think about season three i liked how they did it and how it build up and you see also how boomy got his air bending it was quite good <laughs> yeah also because i felt i felt like uh boomy was the second soccer if, if you know what i mean definitely yeah yeah definitely because he was the only one with no bending power so i think it was a nice suit for his character to get air bending because his brother also got air bending and yeah that was pretty that was pretty well done with uh and like you said with season three it was yeah just written well and also like you just felt a connection with Zaire, you know, and he was definitely the most intelligent villain in whole Korra and by far the most interesting one. He's now now I think about it, yeah, he's hands down the best villain in the whole series. Yeah. And also I think he's such a good villain because he's explaining why he's he's doing what he's doing. And also the group, the Red Lotus, was also a big twist to the White Lotus we had in the in the last airbender. Yeah, true. That was quite interesting. I thought he was bluffing or just I thought it was just bullshit to be honest, but it was actually true. It was like what? Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty well done. And we had those four characters who are actually powerful and not so easy to defeat, like the the other two villains we had before. Yeah, he got pretty easy defeatable ones. That's true. Once it got in, yeah, it got pretty easy compared to Zahir and also like, yeah, also Unalog once Koa got really connected with the spirit it was pretty easy then once it was it was like boom it's over and yeah with that it wasn't thankfully and we saw that Sahir actually had an impact on uh, on uh, Kara because she struggled through the fourth season with the fight against Sahir because she had still the the poisonous metal I think it was mm-hmm, yes in her body yeah and also yeah like I said the flashbacks and you see like you said that's what I liked about Sahir the impact was so big and he got a lot of moment moments still in season four compared to the other ones once they were gone once they were defeated it was like it, it didn't happen and that's what i liked with Zahir that you still feel the impact that he had on Koa, like you said 
Yeah. I also like the the reappearance of Zuko in the third season. But I also felt like he's pretty old. <laughs> like, <laughs> like 70 years after Lost Airbender, and he's probably like 90. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. well, I didn't like it. They didn't give him much moments in it. And also like once he did, it just kind of came over. He was a weak firebender because he, while he should be probably the best firebender, you know what I mean? Yeah, because... That, because that he, was annoying. Yeah, because he he was actually really good in, in The Last Airbender at the end. And mm-hmm. after 70 years, he probably had to master the whole firebending thing. <laughs> yeah, but my point, what I tried to make is like, now I'm going a bit specific, but when uh, when they got into the fight with those three other benders with the group from Sahir, you know, you barely see anything of his firebending, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just frustrating that fight could have been so much better. Yeah, pr- probably it was just a budget problem because they didn't have so much money to animate like <laughs> this <laughs> this big fighting scene. I think they were just too lazy, to be honest. Oh, that. <laughs> yeah, then we have the season four, which has, as you said, I think, in the pre-talk, before we actually recorded, that it's the the worst villain we had because she didn't have really power. She was just an airbender. She was a good airbender, but... Wait, for season four, you mean? She was yeah. an earthbender. Yeah, metal earthbender. Yeah, metal earthbender. And what was it even her name? I don't, I don't um, even know. I think it was Kavira. Yeah, Kavira. Now you say that's yeah. correct. Yeah, and also like the Mechatron they had <laughs> at, at like the final fight with the with the laser. Ah, uh, yeah, that bot. Yeah, uh, fuck that. That was lame. Yeah, if uh, if had more like a Power Ranger episode <laughs> or a season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now you say it felt like something like that or just some. Terminator shit, you know, mm-hmm. does nothing to do with with bending. That really frustrates me. And then it's like one superior robot. Yeah, it it was just lame. Yeah, I think they they just tried to to get an end for the whole series because they knew they can't can't produce a fifth uh, season for Kara. Yeah, it would probably be too much, but yeah, the final was, yeah, really disappointing, even the end itself, and then I was like, wow, is this the end? Definitely one of the worst endings I've watched, in my opinion. That was... That she, that Kara had still the poison from season three in, in her. I think it was a little bit weird, because Toph's daughter actually tried to bend all the poisonous metal out of uh, Kara and she missed like a small bit of it which I didn't get because I think she probably would have noticed if there's any metal in her body (laughs) Ah, I see what you mean yeah from earlier and why they didn't do it earlier yeah they they probably should have done that that thing differently you know what I mean because like you said earlier with Zahir and the flashbacks, I like it, but then you realize it's just that metal and it's like, yeah. Just that part is a bit lame as well. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. So, and, but I like that uh, Toph got, got back and got a reappearance in, in Kara. Yeah, that, that was definitely one of the, hi- that was probably the highlight of season four. Because Toph was always my favorite character after Aang. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, she was. I think she was always funny how she acted. Yeah, choose. It's difficult with choosing from the last airbender. They were their own at their own qualities and the different sides why you like them so much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they uh, actually doing the, the Avatar Studios doing a new project for Nickelodeon. So I hope it was it not for Netflix. Uh, I've heard they were also busy with the real life version of yeah. Avatar for Netflix, but uh, produce a squid or something. Yeah, I think they they just cancelled it. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, I've heard something about it, but that's a few yeah. months ago. So just a small update on the Netflix series because when we recorded this episode, it was like two months ago, and it wasn't really clear if they actually producing this live action series about the last airbender but last week they actually released the the cast for Aang, Katara, Sokka 
and Suko, and they also released the director and who's writing for them. So yeah, that's just a small update from me. They, I think they probably planned something to do for Netflix, but then probably Nickelodeon came to to the Avatar Studios and said, "Yo, you could do this or that uh, for us." And now they're doing a new project. What I hope it's it's hopefully better than uh, the Legend of Korra. Yeah, I hope as well. And I'm pretty curious, but I've seen something. I've seen something of it on uh, one of the posts from the creators on Instagram. I saw it. I'm, I'm gonna look it up soon again. What it was, but yeah, they're definitely working on something. Now we talk like about the the different seasons. Maybe. Now we can talk about what we think was was good and what was bad about the series, or what was what was the problem with the series. No, that's good. I also would like to talk about about your favorite and worst characters from Koa after this. <laughs> I'm yeah. a bit curious about it. We, we can do that. So, um, for me, what I thought was really good was that they introduced a new sport. Pro banding, yeah, but because it brought like fresh air into this uh, into the universe, because you see that the sports are evolving. Like you had in the in the last Airbender, you had the Earth bending tournaments or what they were called with Toph, and now now we have like the pro bending where all three um, elements are working together, which we didn't had in, oh, yeah. in the last Airbender because Nowadays, the the banding nations are actually mixing up and um, having like uh, good friendships or like you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the banders can connect in some way, you know, and that was through the sport, and that's how uh, Koa, Bolin, and Marco got connected and became friends, and that's definitely one of. Now you talk about definitely one of the best things about the legend of Core, and that's definitely one of the biggest plus points. I also liked how how the world evolved, or like you know you see change and how you see technology at the impact throughout those next decades and stuff. That's also and I like the concept of Republic City and stuff like that. They were definitely that was definitely really well done in my opinion. Yeah, because when we had in the last Empire Night, we had often those throwbacks. <laughs> um, uh, because we had those throwbacks in the last Airbenders, uh, at last Airbender, and it felt like it didn't change really a lot in in the in the time. Like when we had the other avatars, which were uh, telling yeah. the stories of how they became the avatar and also where they lived, and yeah, so we didn't see those changes in in the last airbender but we definitely saw it in in the legend of Korra, i think no definitely and also i think that they showed the comic of the airbenders that was also a really nice thing comic of the airbenders it's like how do you mean like with how ang changed the world or how do you mean i'm a bit confused uh, i mean in in third season, we had the comic of the airbenders. Ah, okay. Like, random people got like the power of airbending back. Yeah, okay. I was a bit confused with that yeah. reading, but now, yeah, I'm back on track. <laughs> yeah, as I said, it was such a long time since the genocide of the airbenders because of the Fire Nation. So I thought it was, at least for that, the series was good because we had finally our airbenders back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was like. Like we talked, that was definitely one of the better points and one of the nice things about Chroma as well. Uh, what did I like about it more? Yeah, that you saw a bit of the characters, but you, but I also don't like that you. They should have shown more of what became of the group. Like uh, I think you only saw Sokka once in the whole thing. When he was an adult, and that's it. Yeah, but yeah, but they didn't even really mention. No, were, he was just just in in the scene. Yeah, exactly. He didn't really had even like any any uh, anything to say really. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and also with Aang, you barely saw him, which was quite a shame as well. Like you said, I liked how that Toph came back, and you'll see a bit of Katawa, you know, but how she became how she became when she was old. So that's definitely uh, yeah, Zuko that you saw him, of course. Those were some plus points that you still saw a bit of the characters, but nowhere near enough as it as everyone probably would have hoped of. Mm. And what do you think was problem with Legend of Korra, or what was bad about Legend of Korra? Like we talked earlier, the seasons go way too fast. There isn't anything. There isn't really a build-up like you had in the last era, but I think it just was, okay, here's a villain, here's Korra, she already can bend three or four elements, no worries, you know, and then it happened and also like every season you get a new villain and once they get a bit of momentum it just goes wide they go back defeated straight away and there was definitely something you don't not every character isn't interesting or adds value to the show in my opinion and yeah just some decisions were a bit unnecessary like we like we talked earlier they could have done better so those were definitely some of my major minors, minor points about the show. Yeah, and also we we didn't had the overarching plot like in the last Airbender where we had we from the beginning we knew that he has to fight against the the Fire Lord at the end. Yeah, it's like inevitable, so, you know what I mean? Yeah, he has to do it, and then you just don't have that feeling in the Legend of Korra, and also like. You just know she's gonna defeat them. You know what I mean. Mm. You just know that feeling, like, oh yeah, this next. Once you know it, after I think season one, you already know. Oh yeah, it's gonna be another villain, and then you know, and then it just gets boring. You know what I mean. Mm. And also, it felt like they were actually like lazy because they often reused some stuff they introduced in the last Airbender, and also they didn't had i don't know if you noticed it but they didn't had so much animal created like in like in the last app and we where we had like those different mix mixes of uh different animals uh, yeah you know what i don't like about Cora that you you don't see what happened to appa and momo that was something that bothered me a lot oh yeah yeah but probably because they didn't had such a long lifespan yeah but still you don't see like a flashback or something you yeah. know what i mean maybe an animal flashback yeah that would have been dope and probably been funny yeah like uh we had actually for upper we had those flashbacks when he got lost exactly that was yeah quite emotional i think yeah that that was definitely that that's also one of the modes you could feel angst emotion you know what i mean that's that's mm. like a perfect example like why the last airbender was so good you could live with those characters like you said and that's something i barely had in the legend of Korra. yeah we probably should have talked about the last airbender actually <laughs> instead of uh, the legend of Korra. <laughs> well maybe maybe you should next time i don't know yeah but yeah it's also fun to talk about it because you have the following up and maybe we should do it at some point about the last airband itself. Maybe we should rewatch it again, yeah. freshly, and then boom, just uh, <laughs> talk about, make it happen. Yeah. And you asked me what was my least favorite character and my favorite. Yeah, just just the characters I wanted to talk about because even though the the show we can both agree on agree on was less good than the last airband, I feel still feel like there were some likable and. I was still curious about the characters that you yeah. liked and which you don't, you know, because at the end of the day, there were still a lot of different characters in it, and I was a bit curious about it. I mean, for me, it was probably Tansen or uh, Varric. Ah, oh, man, I love Varric. I was hoping you were going to say it. He was definitely one of my favorite characters. Yeah. I think he's my favorite character. He's just hilarious. Yeah, and also, you see his, his change of characters about four seasons. Uh, because he was... Was he actually in the first season? Yeah, because... Oh, was he? 
I think it was second season. Oh yeah, for the second yeah, season. I think it was introduced in the second season because then we had this water bending tribe where he is a big business guy. Yeah, as if, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then over three seasons because we had this actually stupid <laughs> business owner at the beginning. I would say more. I would say more weird than stupid. But yeah, he was definitely okay. Yeah, weird. <laughs> and at the end, we have like this brave man who is willing to die to save actually the world because the spirit winds. Yeah, the weapon yeah that he created, he just didn't totally use it, and he almost uh, he blew it up and got himself almost killed. That's a really good point. Yeah, and the worst character, I don't know, maybe Asami because I don't know. I actually kind of like Asami to be honest. Okay. I feel like Bolin because Bolin <laughs> feels like a bit too tryhard in my opinion. Oh yeah, to be like a special character because yeah, it tries to be like they try too hard for them to be like a soccer version. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and it just comes over sometimes as dumb or childish. You know what I mean? Yeah, and annoying. Also. His career that he became out of nowhere an actor <laughs> and a movie star. I'm knocked out. Oh my god, that's just cheesy as fuck. Yeah, and also that they had to add him a new power show that they really tried to get him a special moment or a special character treat because in I think it was also in the third episode, uh, third season, where they introduced that he can bent lava yeah that lava bending is a bit weird in my opinion yeah like Bolin is definitely one of those characters that feels i want to like him but on the other side he can be so annoying in my opinion i think asami's worst character because she was actually just thrown in to make this love triangle more weird (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, I can't, to be honest, I wish they used her a bit more, but I don't know, I just think she's kind of a likable character. Yeah, I mean, it's just my opinion, but... Yeah, I, I guess for the first time in the show we can agree, we disagree on something. A special thing. <laughs> yeah, no, with me, I like Asami because, you know, she could have got chosen for the bad side, you know, with her father in the first season, but she decides to... They choose for a team avatar and, you know, she puts herself in her life and her whole career, company, everything on the line to save the world. And yeah, I just also like it because she's a non-bender and she tries to help in every way she can. And yeah, with the love storyline, we already talked and we agreed, but Asami is just one of those. Yeah, I feel like she's one of those likable characters from the show, in my opinion. Yeah. Also, maybe because her dad sacrificed his, uh, his, uh, himself to uh, so they could destroy the Megatron at the end. Yeah. You see, yeah, that's also something nice. You see at the end of this last season, the bond and, you know, that they still work together, you know, at the end of this of that season. And then he offers his life to save her, you know, and... To save the world, so that's definitely something that's well done in the last season, in my opinion. That they finally sac- did a big sacrifice, you know, and you live with it. I mean, live with her, you know. Uh, which characters are also bad? My goodness. Maybe the boy of Tenzin. I don't know, I think he's kind of funny. Also, Milo, I think he's kind of funny with his forward bending. <laughs> I think the mom, the wife of Tenzin, like, she doesn't add anything. Now I think about it. She doesn't do anything oh, yeah. in the show. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> like, I... what does she do? Like, go on. I mean, they... Somehow they had to introduce the mother of the kids because it would be a little bit weird. <laughs> I mean, they could could have done, like, yeah. a weird background story where his... Uh, so Tansen wives dies because of a fight or something like that, and they could give him even a better um, arc story or background story. Yeah, I think they should have done something like that. Now you mentioned it. Uh, which character is? Yeah. yeah, it's just a bit thinking, yeah. you know. What do you think of uh, Marco? Actually, um, I don't know. It, <laughs> it fe- even if he was in in the Avatar team, 
he didn't felt like important character. He was part of it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's also a thing with Marco. Like, there are some things that I like about his character, but that's some things I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a really in between them for me. Also, that they mention it that, like, the background story behind Marco and Bolin because they were brothers, but, uh, brothers, but with different uh, bending powers. Yeah, so, that doesn't make sense either now you tell about it. But maybe um, his father was a firebender and his mother was a earthbender. Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah. I think it was probably something to do with that. I think they mentioned it. Now I think about it. Uh, I think that's why that's why they um, got to well, the Earth Kingdom, where they got to the capital of the Earth Kingdom. Uh, of kingdom yeah now now i think about it the thing they mentioned it in the in the episode that the, the dad like you said was a firebender and the mom was an earthbender or from the earth kingdom so yeah now now you say it i think it that makes sense now if i'm correct yeah because they met this distant family part in the earth kingdom because they visit I think it was their grandmother and the uh, the earth the family the cousins and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So then I think we we talked about everything we wanted to talk, right? I feel like yeah, we answered my question, we answered yours. Yeah. So then thank you, Chris, for your time and also for sharing your opinion on the Legend of Korra. It was definitely fun to talk with you after such a long time again. And you're always welcome to come back to talk about any series or movie if you want to. Like, we should do the last airbender yeah. at some point. I think that's that's pretty much a done deal. I don't know when when I'm gonna rewatch it though, but I think that's pretty much a deal yeah. already made. Yeah. And don't forget to follow him on Instagram. I think you're called Christian Kaiser, right? Yeah, it's just question C H, and then it's just Kaiser. That's K E I J Z E R. Also, if you like the episode, don't forget to subscribe to the Panic Pelican podcast and maybe leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That would help me a lot. So, see you next time. Bye.